You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Villato, joined as always by Chris Flom. And we are here today to discuss the Giants' rushing scheme. Look, the New York Giants were diverse in their rushing approach in 2022. I think a lot of credit deserves just to be heaved at Brian Dable and his coaching staff, Mike Kafka and Bobby Johnson, for how flexible the rushing attack was. And you could see it throughout the entire season. And we at Big Blue View received a question, two questions in the mailbag from John Latini and Tom Hall. And the questions were basically centralized around upgrading the center position and how important that will be in this offense that we saw in 2022. Now we are recording this before the Mike Kafka or the Arizona Cardinals, I should say the Arizona Cardinal Cardinals head coaching position has been filled, but I do believe it's irrespective of the fact because this rushing offense and this rushing approach will, I think, stay consistent as long as Brian Dable is the head football coach for the New York Giants. So John Latini and Tom Hall, they ask questions basically centralized around the center position and the overall rushing philosophy of the New York Giants in 2022. So if anybody wants to head on over to bigblueview.com on Monday, a detailed almost 3000 word article about the Giants rushing attack in 2022 was posted, written by yours truly, Nick Filato. Please enjoy that. I hope you guys do. But before we get into that, Chris, I talked for a while there. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. And I just gotta, I just have to say that I encourage everybody to go read that piece you posted. Not, not only are the descriptions great, it's got plenty of pictures too. So you can actually see what Nick is talking about and really see how diverse and multiple that's a word we normally use about defenses but the Giants running scheme was very flexible and very multiple this past year and I agree I think that's something I expect to stay consistent with them even if Mike Kafka is hired away because you know that's one thing we know about Brian Dayball is he is good at putting players in position to succeed he's excellent at doing that and I think if we just want to talk a little bit about the 2022 New York Giants before we get into some of these draft prospects that were brought up by Mr. John Latini, thank you for tuning in and writing our mailbag. But if we want to talk about some of the philosophies, look, the Giants run inside zone, they run duo, they run those types of concepts, right? They ran a little bit of outside zone as well. But I don't want to say at its heart, they're a power gap team. I don't think that's fair because they do adjust so much to their opponents and, and uh, the fronts that they're going to see and things like that. But the Giants ran more power gap than a lot of other teams tend to run. I think Saquon Barkley ran the second most power gap plays, which means there's going to be pullers in the league. The only one who ran more was Josh Jacobs, right? But Saquon Barkley also sorry, ran a bunch of zone runs as well. But the power lead and plays like that, G lead, which means the play side guard is going to lead, the center is going to pull. A center pulling was a big part 
of what the New York Giants did in 2022. And they did that with John Feliciano, who isn't the best athlete at center. So that begs the question, look, Feliciano is not under contract. I'd welcome him, welcome him back to be honest, but I would like the Giants to upgrade the center position and find an actual true linchpin center. And there are several in this class that we're about to go over. But what do you think, Chris, if the Giants were to land a, say, Jason Kelsey type of center, what would that do to this rushing attack and how much more effective would it be? I I think that would be an incredible addition. Well, obviously, Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers, even if he retires today. Yeah, one of the best centers the NFL has seen in a in a good long time. Yeah, we have seen over the last uh, five six years longer. The Giants haven't really put a whole lot of emphasis or resources into the center position. They've been they've sunk a lot into the offensive tackles, but not much into the centers. Yeah, it, it's been a long time since they drafted Weston Richburg in the second round. And once Richburg was able to play center, you know, if our listeners remember, he started out as a guard. Uh, he was okay. But once he got into that natural center position, he quickly became one of the best centers in the NFL. And we saw the rest of the line benefit from that. When you have a natural and experienced center, He's able to identify blitzes, call protections, and forcing a guard over into the center position, that's kind of a rough fit at best because you need a level of athleticism to play the center because just think about it. You've got one technique or a head-up nose tackle right over. You have to be able to snap the ball and get your hands up, get your feet set, play with leverage almost in almost instantly. Otherwise, you're getting put on skates and driven right back into the running back or quarterback's lap. And then you add all the pulling schemes on top of that where you need more foot speed than guards usually have. You need more agility, quickness than guards usually have. Finding a true natural center, I think, could be huge for the Giants. Like They have potential options at guard. They've got Joshua Zudu. They've got Ben Bredesen. They've got Nick Gates. Mark Lewinsky is still going to be under contract. They've got potential options. They've got bodies who can play guard. They don't really have anybody who can be that center. Hopefully they got Nick Gates if they decide to retain Nick Gates, but I understand exactly what you're saying, right? You have guys in place that you drafted last draft who can assume that role as you're starting left guard, right guard, wherever you want to put him in Joshua Zudu. And I also remain optimistic about Ben Bredesen, who the Giants acquired via trade from the Baltimore Ravens two years ago. But some of the questions or some of the names that were mentioned in the mailbag questions from John and Tom were specifically John Michael Schmitz, who is the center from the University of Minnesota, Golden Gopher Pride, and Steve Avila, who is the Offensive lineman, we'll call him because he's played all over the line, but he projects probably best inside from TCU. And I've studied both of their tapes, and there are other players that we want to kind of go over. Alex Forsyth, the center from Oregon. And <laughs> let's try this one. Olusugan Oluwatime, the center from Michigan. How was that, Chris, by the way? Um, I, I'm not sure. I haven't actually listened to the pronunciation guide, but I think his last name is Luatime. Or Aluatime. Aluatime. 
which is so much cooler than whatever the hell I said. <laughs> I haven't gotten my eyes on Forsyth and Ola Time. We'll go with that yet. So I'll reserve my judgment for them. But I have watched Avila and Schmitz. You can find those profiles somewhere on the internet that I don't think I'm allowed to say here on, <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, yes, you can check those out. But I really think John Michael Schmitz, who went down to the Reese's Senior Bowl, Chris, and he had a really, really good outing down there. Everybody who went to the Senior Bowl, people I respect, said that he was stonewalling defenders the entire the entire event, right? Not just in one-on-ones, but in team periods, and was showing his athletic ability, which I feel like is something that just pops out at you on his film, right? Is how quick his feet are. Like, this is somebody... and. These are the types of things I don't feel like are discussed enough when you're discussing interior offensive linemen, but he is a type of player who can reach block a three technique with ease from the center position. It's not an easy assignment, Chris. You see him do it quite a bit throughout his film at Minnesota. I think if the Giants want this guy, this is John Michael Schmitz, okay? They want him. Excellent run blocker, good in pass protection. If you want him, you're probably going to have to spend the first round pick on him. So pick him at 25. But I really enjoyed his film, man. I think he's sturdy at the point of attack, has a good anchor, handles counter moves very well, resets himself in pass protection, keeps lowering his hips, resetting his feet, refitting his hands when he has to. All of those traits translate to the NFL. And I think he has a really translatable skill set to the NFL and he would thrive in this system. And I'm not necessarily advocating the Giants to select him at 25, but I definitely think he is in the running for a player that will interest me at 25 if he's still around. What say you about John Michael Schmitz, the center from the University of Minnesota? I was really impressed with how well John Michael Schmitz held up against the the big powerhouse school defensive lineman he went up against. And to me, it's really kind of a shame that you're right. If the Giants want him, they're going to have to use that first round pick on him. And that's even that's even if he falls that Par in the draft. It's the distinct possibility he go he could go even earlier because I would love to see both John Michael Schmidt and Osiris Torrens in blue for the Giants next year. To imagine that that would be something that everybody at the Senior Bowl would get like some sort of PTSD from because I heard those two were just absolutely dominant up front at the Senior Bowl and were just stonewalling their opponents during the game and during the practice period. And the one thing I just loved about John Michael Schmitz before we get in a little bit into Steve Avila is how precise he is with his footwork as a run blocker, right? There are no wasted movements with this dude's feet up to the second level on combo block. He hits the hip. He gets a lot of power in his in his burst towards contact. And then he just redirects his eyes to the linebacker, whichever direction he's going, Mike, Will, what have you. And then he's able to explode out of that stance and take a nice advantageous angle into contact at the second level. I feel like a lot of those traits, like I said a little bit earlier, very translatable. Some of the weaknesses or just things that make him maybe not in the conversation for an even higher draft pick is he only has experience as center, right? Which I don't really have an issue with, but some teams may because they want him to play guards or, or what have you. He will be 24 years old as a rookie. I do feel like he's a little bit more dynamic as a run blocker than in pass protection, albeit he is not a liability in pass protection whatsoever. But there were times where his pad level could tend to rise. And I saw, I think, two plays. One, I think it was against Illinois, where the defender, and this is not consistent with his tape, but he went to engage the defender. The defender hit him with 
a a double swipe move, grabbed cloth and tossed him to the side. And it's the only time I ever saw that happen to John Michael Schmitz. And I was like, whoa, who is this kid from Illinois? I don't think he was draft eligible. And then there was another play where he surrendered a sack, which I don't think was credited by Pro Football Focus, but he definitely surrendered it, where he was looking for work. He was uncovered in pass protection. He went to go help out his guard. And he came into contact too high, and the guard hit him with a hump move, used his inside hand the, the uh, or the three technique, hit him with a hump move, used his inside arm, got underneath his armpit, and then just threw him aside and went right into the pocket to sack the quarterback. Again, not something that was necessarily consistent with his film, but stuff that I felt like was necessary to at least note, because I saw that against Nebraska, and I saw that against Michigan State as well. But all in all, I think this kid is an ideal fit for zone rushing teams, but he can easily transition into power gap teams or really execute any assignment you ask him to execute. I think he is a deserving first round pick. And I actually ended up having a first round grade on him. And through all the guys that I've evaluated so far, I'm pretty sure he's the only first round grade that I've given so far. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I think we are going to have to talk about the age issue, maybe not in this podcast, but at some point down the line, maybe just before, maybe and part of our lead up into the scouting combine, because there are a lot of older prospects coming out this year. And a big reason why is that that extra COVID year that the the NCAA granted prospects. So got, there are a lot of guys who are even six year seniors coming out this year. So there's, there isn't an, a, a very high number of 24, 25 year old rookies in the NFL this year. Yeah, there there will be. (laughs) No, there's definitely going to be. And I also find that kind of interesting just because if you look at the Giants draft last year, and I don't really think this bears too much weight. If the Giants love John Michael Schmitz and he's the highest guy on their board, I don't think they'll not take him because he's a little bit older. And I think that remains the same for a lot of these older prospects that are coming out this year. But the Giants went young last year, right? They went really young. The only guy they drafted that was old was DJ Davidson. And that wasn't until late in the fifth round of the draft. They were taking guys like Cordell Flott, who was like, what, 20 years old, a lot of 21 year olds. So it's just something I feel like that's pretty interesting, at least to note right now. Yeah, that that definitely is. But again, I think that's something for maybe a future podcast, because right now we got to talk about Steve Avila. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Steve Avila from TCU Interior Offensive Lime has kind of played all over the line of scrimmage. Look, I liked Steve Avila's tape. I came away with around a, a high, high third round 
grade on Steve Avila. I don't think the movement skills from John Michael Schmitz and Steve Avila are necessarily comparable. I feel like Steve Avila, who is six foot three, three hundred and thirty-two pounds with thirty-two and five eighth inch arms, does not move nearly as well as Michael Schmitz, who is six foot three, three hundred and six pounds with thirty-two and three fourth inch arms. And that shouldn't really necessarily come as a surprise. There is almost a thirty-pound difference between these two players. But Avila is massive. You ask this dude to down block, he is going to use his brute strength and his power to remove you off the line of scrimmage. He can vertically displace you as well. Gets good lower leg drive into contact when he is run blocking. I feel like he has a nice, good low coiled stance. Right, like he looks like he's a snake about the. And then he just kind of explodes out of his stance into that contact into whichever direction. I do feel like he takes pretty good angles as well as a run blocker, stays square to his target, drives through. All those things I like about Steve Avila. But some of my weaknesses, and I want to get your take on this, I did feel like he was a little bit boxy as a mover, right? I feel like his foot speed was only adequate. Right. Whereas John Michael Schmitz has like a lead foot speed. He's a bit top heavy and he wasn't the most flexible guy, right? He's a little bit stiff out there, a little bit slower, a little bit more lumbering. So I think he could play in really any system, right? I think he can kick out into space. He's not going to be Joshua Zudu doing so. I think he has probably enough speed to do that, but it's not necessarily ideal. What were your thoughts on Steve Avila? Yeah, I, I saw some of those things as well. I think he's really a power brute force uh, center, uh, maybe not a perfect one-to-one comparison, but if folks think back to David boss, when he was the giant center back about, uh, well, a decade ago <laughs> at this point, I think they do have some, some similarities as you know, guys who just, they like it when they can either drive off the ball forward and put defenders on skates, or they're dealing with a head up bull rusher where they're not going to have to move laterally too much. They're not going to have to deal with too much speed, too many stunts, twists, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think one of the strengths or one of the, one of the things that would make the giants a good landing spot for a player like Steve Avila is how flexible the coaching staff is where, yeah, they use a lot of pulling center in their running schemes but they don't have to do that. Yeah. Brian Dayball is mentally flexible, mentally versatile enough where they can scheme up running plays where maybe you use a Steve Avila as the anvil and then have a Josh Azudu be the pulling hammer. Yeah. And that's something that I can see as well. And with Steve Avila too, one thing I absolutely love about him you're not bull rushing this guy back into the pocket and collapsing the pocket. This guy has an anchor, right? You brought up an anvil before. Well, that's his base, right? He has an anvil in his legs because he can just anchor down. And that's one of the things I love most about him. I also felt like he did a solid overall job handling counter moves. I did feel like if you got to his half man because of that, those lateral speed and quickness and explosiveness limitations, that was a way to put yourself into an advantageous situation if you were a defender. So. I don't think he's the perfect prospect. I do like him. I did come away from his film, and this is a huge, it sounds like I'm I'm trashing him here, and and I don't necessarily mean to, but I got a little bit of Will Hernandez vibes from some of his tape. That doesn't mean he's going to be Will Hernandez, right? But there were times where I felt like I said a little bit earlier, a little bit boxy, not the quickest, right? 
I did feel like he was late to recognize twists sometimes, which gives me a little bit of pause because that does remind me a little bit of Will Hernandez. But I don't necessarily think his career arc will be Will Hernandez. There's still a lot of other things that he can successfully develop and 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 uh, and and get to at this point, right? Like he can he can become a faster processor in terms of recognizing twists. He can maybe lose a little bit of weight to get a little bit quicker, but. I would be lying if I didn't say, oh, crap, man, I get a little bit of Will Hernandez vibe from him. And I know that sounds terrible and I don't necessarily mean for it to, but what were your thoughts on that take? Yeah, I think that is fair. And I think that little bit of trepidation is fair. But one thing I think I, I want our listeners to remember is pr- pretty much every prospect is going to have some level of concern with them. Uh, all of these guys are basically scratch-offs and the job of minimizing those concerns and maximizing the upside and the potential that falls on the coaches. Yeah. Basically what, what we want to do or what the front office wants to do is get guys with tools that can be developed and traits that can be polished up. You know, I think right now the giants have a much better coaching staff than anything uh, anything Will Hernandez had in his time here. So I would feel a lot more comfortable with Steve Avila and a lot more comfortable with those concerns with regards to his processing with, you know, maybe not being comfortable with stunts, twists, that sort of thing with the coaching staff the Giants have right now developing him. You know, I do think sometimes, maybe even a lot of times, Teams don't exactly draft busts so much as create busts with either poor fits, poor coaching, that sort of thing. And that is such valuable, I would say, just advice for people who are getting into scouting and drafting. Landing spot is huge for these players. And I'll give my quick synopsis that I wrote on Steve Avila, and then we can move on from there. Steve Avila is a big, strong, interior offensive lineman with a lot of experience for the Horn Frogs. Looks good exploding out of his stance and does a good overall job positioning himself between the defender and his responsibility in the run and pass phase. He takes good angles into contact and is a good overall pass protector, has to keep his feet more alive when defenders do attack the half man. Avila has some technical flaws and athletic limitations. He's a bit top-heavy, stiff, and his use of hands are a bit inconsistent at times. His frame allows him to stay in front of targets at a solid rate, but longer defensive linemen have stacked and shed him at the point of attack enough to note in the run game. He could also be a bit quicker at diagnosing and reacting to twists aimed in his direction. He may be better suited to operate in a power gap counter type of scheme where he showed good ability to get out of his stance and redirect himself toward a target while in college, although that's not to say he can't have success in his own type of scheme. He's not the quickest offensive lineman, but he's a strong and reliable and could hear his name called on day two of the NFL draft. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much agree with all of what you have said, and I do like him as a second round pick. In fact, I, I think we're going to get to a couple other guys uh, that I've got uh, scouting reports on that I think could be options if the Giants either don't have the opportunity to draft John Michael Schmitz or they decide to go somewhere else with their first round pick. And that is Luzigonoluwatimi and Alex Forsyth from Michigan and Oregon, respectively. 
Yeah, go on. Talk about these two. I'm excited to get in their tape, but I don't have much on them right now. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I think I'll start with Luatimi because he has one of the more interesting backstories I've come across recently. He started out his collegiate career at the Air Force Academy and then transferred to the University of Virginia after the 2017 season. So this is another well-traveled, experienced, a little bit older prospect. He then transferred from Virginia to Michigan prior to the 2021 season. And since transferring to Virginia and then Michigan, he started 46 straight games at center. This past year, he was the first Remington Award winner. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Not the first. He was the Remington Award winner, which was the top center in the country. And he was also the first Outland Trophy winner, which is given to the top interior offensive lineman, guard or center winner in Michigan's history. And you think of all the great offensive linemen to come out of Michigan. And he was the first Outland Trophy winner. That's honestly impressive to me. So Aluatimi, he doesn't have great size. Uh, 6'2", 5'8", 308 pounds, 33-inch arms. So he's got acceptable size for a center. Pretty good lo- pretty good arm length. Yeah, I think he is. He ha- has good athleticism and quickness coming out of the snap. Really quick feet, really active feet. He, you can just tell by his size that he's not an overpowering center, but he does a great job of using those feet to kind of disperse the power from nose tackles. Like he really doesn't have an issue with a zero technique nose tackle in front of him. Yeah. Good, good flexible lower half. He's pretty much always plays with good leverage and also really good hand placement from what I saw. And I think that is like we talked about before, really important for a center to be able to get a good, crisp, accurate snap off, and then get your hands up to deal with that nose tackle. And I think he does have that ability to deal with stunts, twists, and delayed blitzes. He's a very smart guy, which again, you can, you can see on tape and also kind of makes sense from how experienced he is having 46 straight starts. Yeah. The only thing I do kind of worry about him is just being able to deal with the biggest, strongest nose tackles. Like he's smart about taking half man leverage himself using angles. But again, he just isn't an overpowering guy who like Steve Avila or John Michael Schmitz can just stonewall a tackle straight up. But if you were looking for a guy, I've got a second, a day two grade on him. And I think particularly where he lands on various teams draft boards is going to depend on their specific schemes and philosophies. I think he's better in a zone blocking scheme than a power man gap scheme. But again, like with Steve Avila and the Giants, they are flexible enough where I think he could fit right in. Yeah, and somebody like that can transition in, right? Quick feet can execute the zone blocks. Like look, the Giants didn't run a ton of outside zone this past year, but I still think they might 
if they had better personnel to do so, right? They're not going to become Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or one of those teams that almost exclusively run stretch outside zone and inside zone. But adding just talented football players at this point is what's going to take you over the hump. So is Alex Forsythe, the center from Oregon, is he also one of these talented football players that Giant fans should be aware of? Absolutely. And in fact, I think Forsythe is kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a poor man's version of John Michael Schmitz, but maybe the, maybe a middle-class version of John Michael Schmitz. He's got good size, six foot four, three fifteen. So, well, at least that's what he's listed at it at Oregon. And he's got plenty of length. He's got good play strength again, not overpowering. And his play strength is a little dependent on his leverage because he's actually kind of weirdly high cut for a center. He's, he's got some long legs, but he's really, he's actually a really good athlete and really fluid. Like you talked about how much the giants use a pulling center in their running schemes. And I was legitimately impressed at how good Forsyth was at pulling where he could start at center, you know, right in those a gaps. And he could get, he could get out to the D gap with enough speed to get ahead of the play and stay ahead of the play on like the, a toss play or something like that. He he was legitimately impressive <laughs> as a puller. And I think he's got enough play strength where he could easily do inside zone. He could work off of combo blocks up to the second level on man gap. He can run those counters that giant that the giants love to run so much and yeah, he, he might not be a snowplow in the middle, but he's got plenty of power to hold up. And you don't always need a snowplow, right? Like you don't always need that guy who's just going to steamroll defenders. Like Steve Avila has that within him, but he's not as quick as some of the other centers that we're going over here. So I hope this was somewhat comprehensive for everybody going over Steve Avila, Alex Forsyth, Olusugan Owolatami. Is that how you say it? Owolatami? <laughs> <laughs> um, like until I can get my get, get my ears into the pronunciation guide, we'll go with that. And um, apologies if that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. And then John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. But Chris, you have anything else on the Giants rushing attack and some of these center prospects? I'm sure we'll be going over many other interior offensive line prospects throughout the draft process. Oh, definitely. Because like, like we said before, the Giants need to figure out their interior offensive line. They've got bodies for guard, but they need to figure out this center position because that really can take this rushing attack and you know once they also get the wide receiving core figured out the offense as a whole to the next level yeah and i'm looking forward to that and hopefully it will be this season when they find that guy because it seems like it's been a decade since the giants have had a true center it's just been recycling guards and some of those guards have been really you know surprising and effective but finding that linchpin on the offensive line is something that i'm certainly looking forward to but thank you everyone for tuning into the chris and nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so yet, head on over to BigBlueView.com. Check out the article that we were just breaking down on the Giants rushing attack from 2022 and how diverse and flexible it was under the tutelage of Brian Dable. And also like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment, if you will. That would be excellent. And another thing, just take care of each other and have a lovely day, everyone. And go Giants. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.